Uh, it's good to see everybody tonight. Like Corey said, I'm Wyatt if you don't know me. And I'm excited to, to hear from the Lord tonight, and I hope you are too. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm thankful for this group of people. I'm thankful for the community that, that we share through the Lord and through His Word. Uh, the well has a special place in my heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. Over the last seven years, it's, uh, you know, it's been a big part of my life, and God has been faithful to give me friends, uh, to give me a ministry, to, to give me a great abundance of Bible teaching and a place to grow. And it's just been really fun to watch uh, several of you grow in the Lord over these last several years, so I'm thankful. Uh, I want to apologize in advance if I clear my throat. I'm not feeling the best, so God will get me through it. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, like Corey said, we're, we're down to the wire on our Second Timothy uh, study. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Second Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 20. I'm excited to, to hear from the Lord tonight, and I hope, hope you are too. This is going to be uh, fun. So starting in verse 20, it says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. Uh, let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we're so grateful for this community that you've blessed us with. I'm so thankful for all the friends and family that... Uh, I've been given over the years. You've taught me so much, and uh, it's only through your word and through your spirit uh, that we've been blessed with uh, such great teachers and such great leaders, and uh, man, I, I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace, um, and you've put me up here for a reason, to, to glorify you first and foremost and to share your word with others. So uh, be honored tonight through my words, and uh, I pray that the people in this room can open their hearts and their minds to receive it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so tonight we have four verses in this passage. Uh, we don't have time to cover all of it, so we're really just going to look at verses 20 and 21. Uh, if we covered all of it, we wouldn't get to our discussion groups, and uh, we don't want that. So let's take a look at our first point. Point number one, the contents of the house. The contents of the house. 2 Timothy 2.20 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. So Paul starts off with this verse with the word, but. This word connects his writing back to the previous verses, and specifically to verse 19 we looked at last week. So 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. So Paul is letting us know that the foundation, that which is Jesus Christ, is sure, and God knows, that the, God knows the believers that are in his family. But he says, hey, don't forget, Timothy, in a great house, in God's church, there's going to be vessels that are valuable, gold and silver, which bring honor to God. And there are vessels that are not so valuable, wood and earth, which bring dishonor to God. He's letting Timothy know that in God's church, not every attendee is as righteous as they claim. Not every pastor or deacon or teacher in every church is worthy of honor that God prescribes to those who handle his word correctly. Not everyone who names the name of Christ is doing so for God's glory and for the church's benefit. There are people who don't bring honor to God's name. 
1 Timothy 3.15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So back in the first letter Paul wrote to Timothy, the context is the qualification here for pastors and deacons. So why did he write out all these requirements for the leaders in the church in 1 Timothy 3? So that we may know how we should act in the house of God. Part of being a vessel of gold and silver is knowing how we need to behave ourselves before others and before God, especially when you are looked to as a leader. We need to take our stewardship of that seriously because God's house is a house of truth and we need to know how to behave ourselves. So letter A, vessels of gold and silver. It's your next blank. Gold and silver have several important valuable uses throughout the Bible. If you just skimmed your Bible of gold and silver, you did a word search, uh, it's always a valuable thing. All right, gold and silver, even today, is a valuable thing. Gold is presented to Christ as one of the three gifts presented from the wise man, and it's associated with his deity. It's a gift fit for a king. Gold plays a critical role in the construction of the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament. And as we saw in previous weeks, silver is associated with God's pure words in Psalms 12. Uh, but what I want us to look at tonight is the process by which gold and silver is purified and formed making it a fitting image for the sanctifying work that occurs in the life of a believer. Check out Proverbs 25.4. It says, Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. 1 Peter 1.7 says, That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth it, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so God wants our lives to reflect that purifying effect when we are tried, our impurities rise to the top like the dross of silver, and it's scraped away when we respond properly. Why? So that our faith might bring honor at the appearing of Jesus Christ, a finer vessel presented before the Lord. And this connects naturally to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 11 through 14. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. I don't think it's any coincidence that vessels of gold and silver are those that do the work of the Lord. So we're called to build upon the foundation that Christ has laid. Gold, silver, precious stones. Our works before the judgment seat of Christ, after the rapture of the church, these precious materials tried by fire that, are, that will abide and that are cast before Christ. So we're not saved by our works, we're saved by faith in Christ, but we are saved unto good works, right? Next, we see that it's tied to honor, we know that. 1 Thessalonians 4.4 says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. So we have to know how to possess our vessel, this life that God has given us with honor, if we want to please the Lord. The life that we've been given, uh, we have a choice every day to wake up and to live for the Lord. Nobody gets to control that but you. So are you going to bring your body into subjection to reckon yourselves dead to sin and walk in the spirit that lives inside you? Okay. If not, we're going to fail and we're going to bring shame to his feet. And we don't want to do that. In the next verse, we will see specifically how we can be a vessel that brings honor to God, according to Paul. 
But letter B, check this out. Vessels of wind earth is your next blank. <clears throat> check out Matthew uh, 13, 47 through 49. This is a parable. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that casts into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good, good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. Okay, so Jesus is talking about the tribulation and the events that follow. But the principle of the parable is this. When you cast out your net, when you cast out your view into the church, into multiple to, multitudes of churches, you can't always separate the bad from the good right away. Right? You've got to drag it in. You've got to work a little bit. But like I said before, not every vessel is honorable to God, and not every vessel is worth keeping around. Sometimes vessels, you just need to throw them away. You need to get rid of them. Vessels of wood and earth don't last nearly as long as gold and silver. When earth, wood and earth is tried, it burns up and it brings dishonor. It does not last. It has little value. That's our next uh, point tied to dishonor. If we look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Look at verse 12. It says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Okay, so you got the valuable stuff. you got the gold, silver, precious stones. But you also have the wood, hay, and stubble. Go down to verse 15. It says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So you know what? You can be saved, and you can still be a vessel of dishonor in God's eyes. Most of your life, you get saved once, you think, okay, God, I'm on fire for you, but it only takes a little bit of the world, a little bit of your flesh, a little bit of the devil to turn you away from Christ. And your works are burnt up because you don't live for him. So each and every one of us has to lead our vessel every day according to this book, or we will suffer loss. And I don't believe anyone in this room wants to be a vessel of dishonor. We're here to learn about God, and, and we're here to learn about how to glorify him. But you know what? Wanting something does not always mean you're going to put in the work to achieve it. I tell uh, Chloe a lot, I want to lose weight. You know, I don't look that fat, but I'm a little fat. Uh, just because I want it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Okay, it's hard to lose weight. It's really easy to, like, I know how to lose weight. I need to eat less and move more. But it's hard, it's hard to apply that, you know what I mean? So just because you want it doesn't mean it's going to happen. So you have to allow the Word of God to purify you as silver and gold so that you may bring honor and come out a finer vessel before the Lord. That's what the purifying process does. So maybe you're thinking, okay, I want to be a vessel of honor, a vessel of gold and silver. I want to behave myself properly in God's house, and I don't want to be ashamed before Him. What, what should I do? What does that look like? Okay, so Paul gives us one specific example in, in this passage. That's point two, the effects of purging false teachers. Second Timothy 2, verse 21 says of a man, Therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So Paul lets us know that we need to purge some things from our lives and from his church. He's specifically referring to false teachers or heretics. So why do we need to purge false teachers from our church and personal lives? Well, it should be on your outline. False teachers have a message contrary to God's word. Hence the false part. They're false teachers. 
And Garrett talked about this last week, but I think we need to revisit it because 2 Timothy 2 really flows together. These verses really connect. 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 18 says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already. So you have these two dudes who Paul says have erred, saying that the future resurrection has already passed, which refers to the future blessed hope that we as believers look to. The rapture of the church. How many of you have heard that or read that before? Like, ah, the, the rapture, it's not going to happen. You, you have to go through that tribulation, and uh, then Jesus will return. They, they're not separate events. I bet, you, I bet you've heard that before. 2 Timothy 3, verses 5 and verse 7 say this, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth, of the truth. That's what Paul says in the next chapter. These so-called believers have a form of outward godliness, but they deny the power they claim to know. And they are never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Paul says to shun their words and to turn away from them. So don't associate with these people. And maybe you're thinking, you know, when you read, you read your Bible, and you're like, okay, I think I should apply that to my life, but that's pretty hard. That's pretty harsh, Paul, like... You want me to shun people? You want me to turn away from people? You ever think that? Like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, that, kind of, that sounds kind of mean, doesn't it? Aren't we supposed to get along with everybody? Aren't we supposed to be tolerant like Jesus? That's what everybody wants to say. We should love like Jesus. It's like Jesus had a lot more to say than, than just love. And not with these people, okay? These aren't just regular people. Okay, we, from such turn away, that's what Paul says. But why? Why are we commanded to do this within the church? Why should we turn away from these people? Well, false teachers overthrow the faith of some. Second Timothy 2.18, who concerning the truth of Herod, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. So these men have made a shipwreck of other people's faith. That is the effect that false teachers have in the church. That is why it is, it is so important that we study and rightly divide God's word. Because when you don't, when you don't study and divide God's word, you end up being carried about with every wind of doctrine, allowing heretics to overthrow your faith, allowing others to talk you in to false doctrine. That's just attacked by the devil. You got you to know your, your book. You got to know the Bible. You got to rightly divide it. That's, that's Paul's point in this chapter. Listen, if you know God's word and you rightly divide it, you're going to know what it says and you're going to know what it doesn't say. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 and 7 says, Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. And then go down to verse 13, it says, But them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. And specifically, this refers to open sin at the church at Corinth. But a little bit of open sin, a little bit of false teaching can corrupt the entire church. It may be slow, but eventually it will affect all of us in some way if we don't deal with it. So we need to put away the wicked from among us and let God, God judge them. Okay? Our job is to, to you know, reject them, but let God judge them. 
A public sin deserves a public response, and that's what false teachers do. Titus 3, verse 10 and 11 says, A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted, and sinneth being condemned of himself. Okay, so some practical advice for dealing with heretics. What, what do we do? We just, hey man, cut that out. It's wrong. No, it says, after the first and second rebuke, that's what um, <clears throat> admonition means, you need to reject them. Okay? Of course we need to deal with people in our church with grace and truth. I'm not saying don't do that. We should always be willing to help guide people that are growing in God's word. God knows I need it. I'm not saying don't help a brother out. I'm not help, saying don't help your sister out if they're ignorant and interpreting doctrine. But some people don't want help. They just want to argue. They want to cause division, and they want to overthrow people's faith. That person, Paul says, is subverted from the truth and condemns themselves. And as difficult as, as it is sometimes, we need to reject those people. That's hard. It, and like Garrett said last week, it doesn't mean we get to label a brother or sister in Christ as a heretic because you disagree with their liberty in Christ or you don't like them or they looked at you funny or, you know, dumb stuff that people do. Like, no, we're talking about purging false teachers, people who divide the church with their doctrine. That's different than something they did one time years ago and you are holding on to that grudge. Like, that, that's not, you're not walking in the spirit in that case. Okay, so what happens when we purge these false teachers, these heretics? Well, letter A, you have sanctification. Paul says you'll have sanctification. Psalms 101, verse 2 says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. So what, what do we need to do? We need to walk with a mature heart in the house of God. And when we purge those that overthrow people's faith, we set ourselves individually and corporately apart from the world, from those cardinal believers, from those false teachers, from churches that preach false doctrine, and we don't allow Satan a stronghold within these walls. But each of us has to decide individually if we're going to, to choose to be set apart. Being holy, it's a battle every day, isn't it? And it's not easy. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, how will you, how will I behave myself in this church? Paul says, I, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. That's what we need to do. Letter B, we see that we're going to be profitable for the Lord. Another word for meat is just profitable. So we want to be meat for the master's use. It means that God is going to use us, and we're going to be profitable for his mission when we purge false teachers from our life. Acts 9, 15 says, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Okay, so this is God talking about Paul. And Paul was able to write with authority on matters of doctrine because he was a chosen vessel who submitted to God's authority. So Paul responded to the call. He got saved, and he bore his vessel with honor until the end of his life. He fought the good fight. And he was profitable for the Lord, not because God chose him, but because he chose God. And he turned from his own false teaching and purged those who opposed Christ in his life. I mean, Paul, Paul was teaching all sorts of stuff before he got saved. But he responded to God's call in his life, and he was profitable for God. And then lastly, see, prepared for every good work. 
2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we know that all Scripture is profitable for us today. God gives us this book so that we can be perfect or mature in Him and thoroughly furnished or prepared for every good work that He calls us to do. And when we are equipped and prepared, we won't be ashamed when we present our works before Him as gold, silver, and precious stones. But it starts with knowing correct doctrine and being able to identify false doctrine. You've got to be able to identify false doctrine and false teachers. Are you just going to be led about by what they say? So let's conclude. 1 Corinthians 11.19 says this, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So don't be surprised when we see or hear vessels of dishonor, heretical, wicked men among and around us. Don't be surprised by that. Remember what Paul said, God knows those that are his, but in a great house there's a lot of vessels, and not all of them are good. But why? So that, we, so that the approved will be made manifest in the local church. Well, why, why, are there, why are there heretics? Why are there false teachers? Why does God allow that to happen? Why are there, you know, a hundred different denominations in our you know, in Christianity. Well, so that those, so that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. And how do you, how do you get approved? How do you get to be approved before the Lord? Well, you study and you show yourself approved before God and you know his word. And therefore you can point out the heretics in your life, the people that are making shipwreck of people's faith and you can reject them and not allow them to cause harm to you and your church. So don't, don't take the easy way out. Allow God's word to work in and through you. And don't be carried about by any doctrine that sounds fresh and cool and new because there's a lot of them out there. Be the vessel that brings honor to God's name. Uh, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I'm so grateful for your word. I'm so grateful that you allow us to study it. Um, you give us just enough rope to hang ourselves if we're not careful, God. And you, you desire for us to, to be approved in your sight by studying and dividing rightly. Um, it, it's a hard thing to um, sift through doctrine, God, but it takes work, and it's, it's a worthy endeavor. So I pray that you just open our eyes and our hearts to your word so that, may, so that we may be diligent students of your Bible and so that we can uh, just answer the call in our lives, God, so, because you've called us to so much and you've given us so much that we don't deserve. So. Thank you for tonight. I pray that you've been glorified, God. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.